Good morning. Praise the Lord. I'm Pastor Colombo and pastor of the Troop Church of God. And we welcome you this morning. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Another opportunity to preach your word, encourage your people. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, your long-suffering toward us. And we pray this day, God, that your name would be glorified and that, God, your name would be exalted. Father, touch us with that holy anointing that we might speak your heart through our lips. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, we are moving. Yes, we are. We are moving. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give thee, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Amazing. In Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 8, A significant verse. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses was ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him. And did as the Lord commanded Moses. What happened here? With Moses' death, the people needed a further vision. Something to live for. Something to look forward to. The work that God had called Moses to was accomplished. It was completed. Things changed for the Jewish people. And for Joshua in particular, as the new leader. Joshua now will assume the duties of a leader. He will receive specific instructions from God on how to lead this people. This is an awesome responsibility. This is an awesome task that's called upon the shoulders of Joshua. Now being called to come forward and lead Three million people. This transition from Moses to Joshua will be of full charge, full change, and challenges that he's never have experienced before. This is what I call a transition. What's a transition? It's a change. It's a shift. It's a move. It's a transformation. Actually, it's a revolution. It's a coming out a coming through, a coming forth. It's the old 
versus the new. It's a new day, a new song. It's the new wine that God wants to deliver to us. I believe, my friend, that this sermon relates to the time that we're living in, in this pandemic crisis. A great change has occurred in our churches. Our churches are closed. I want to say that again. Our churches across our land are closed. And our leaders, our pastors, can only communicate through social networking and so on and so forth. Do you have any idea what this means? You can't assemble and you can't hear the preacher bring the word of God in person. Let's put this in perspective this morning. If you attend church twice a week, and you attend church two hours each time, you have attended four hours per week times 52 weeks. That equals 208 hours a year. If you divide that by 24, which is one day, you have actually spent only nine days in the house of God. We really spend a little portion of our time in a church building, if you look at it from that perspective. What are you saying, Pastor? What's the message here? Churches are closed, and we should explore why. Hmm. Why has God done this? Why has God allowed us to be silenced in our churches? I'll tell you why. Church should just be a supplement to the teaching and learning that should be taking place in our homes. We are now quarantined in our homes, and yes, we all miss the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. I'm not minimizing that. I'm not minimizing a collective reunion. I'm not minimizing people coming together, the communion of the saints. I'm not minimizing that. But I want to put things in perspective. People say how much they miss church. How much do we really miss church? Because, my friend, if you attend every service for the whole year, you've actually spent only nine days in the house of God. Huh. Minus vacation. Minus when you don't feel like coming to church because you're tired and you had a bad week. How many days do you really spend in the house of God? This time alone should be utilized to become a great opportunity in our lives to reevaluate our spiritual maturity. Listen carefully. This time should be fulfilled and utilized to dig into God's word for ourselves and grow spiritually. This growth, desiring more of God, desiring more of God's word, is going to help you in the process of what we're going to face down the road. More of that later. God is trying to raise up a remnant church, a church within a church. God is trying to raise up those that are hungry and thirsty for his word. Those that desire him, those that want to be with him, those that want to cry out to him. And my friend, the remnant survives any crisis because they trust in God. Are you a survivor? We're in a crisis. How are you acting right now? How are you reacting to all that's going on? The Jordan River 
God spoke to Joshua and he said, Arise and go over the Jordan. The Jordan has great significance because like the Red Sea, now the Jordan River becomes an obstacle. The Jordan River stood between the children of Israel and Canaan's land, the promised land. And my friend, we're going to face some obstacles in the days ahead. And we need to be prepared, especially spiritually, to meet any Jordan River that we face. You have to hear this. You have to really hear what God wants to say through this message because, my friend, it's prophetic. Arise and go over the Jordan. In the Matthew Henry commentary, he said this, At this place and at this time, the banks had overflowed. Joshua had no bridge or boats, and yet we must believe that God, having ordered the people to cross over, would open a way. As a matter of fact, in Joshua 3.15, the Bible said, For the Jordan overfloweth all of its banks. It was a flood. Listen carefully. Let's talk about the Jordan River for a moment and how it relates to the present moment of what we're living in right now. Jeremiah the prophet said something profound through the Holy Spirit. In Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5, he said this, God was speaking, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how can thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trusteth, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? What was the prophet trying to say to us? Moreover, what was God trying to say to the prophet? The Bible was trying to say this. If the footman, if everyday life is wearying you, what does it mean to be weary? It means to become impatient, to become grieved, to become offended. I don't like what's going on. I don't like this, God. I, I, I don't like this. You need to do something about this. I'm your child. <laughs> to be tired of something. To, to, to wear yourself out. To become exhausted. God is saying, hey, Jeremiah, if you're already exhausted in the time of peace, what are you going to do when the Jordan swells? What are you going to do when the flood comes? <laughs> because what does the swelling mean? It means pride. Jordan had a pride. It was a majestic river. It had pomp. It had arrogance. It had pride. Hmm. Listen carefully. Another commentator says this to us. He says, Rather, and in the land of peace thou art secure, but how wilt thou do amid the pride of Jordan? Calls it the pride of Jordan. If thou can, cannot feel safe only where things are tranquil, what will thou do in the hour of danger? The pride of Jordan is taken to mean the luxuriant thickets along its banks, famous as the haunt of lions. What will the prophet do when he has to tread the tangled maze of a jungle with lions roaring around him? This is a significant picture here of the Jordan River, overflowing with thickets, Barnes said that. In Clark's notes, he references this and he says, The overflowing of Jordan, which generally happened in harvest, drove the lions and other beasts of prey from their coverts among the bushes that lined its banks, who spreading themselves through the country made terrible havoc, slaying men and carrying off cattle. Well, what was God saying? 
Joshua is facing the Jordan River. He's facing thick, thick thickets, lions, wild beasts that kill people and take their cattle. Think about this. You're the man of God. You're the pastor. And like Moses who stood before the Red Sea with his rod, now Joshua has to get instructions from God, how are we going to cross over the Jordan? Matthew Henry commentary again says this, and in this favored day, and indeed our trifling difficulties, let us consider how we should behave if called to sufferings like those of saints in former ages. <laughs> Folks, we're still living in peace. Oh, we're quarantined. We're homebound. We're housebound. Yes, we are. But are you losing your patience? Are you losing your cool? Are you losing the way you're reacting to those in your home, and your family? We have to think about this for a moment. The Bible says in the message version, that same verse in Jeremiah 12 and 5. So Jeremiah, if you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against horses? And if you can't keep your wits during the times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan in flood? You know what the word Jordan means? It means to bring or take down. It means to be brought down, to descend, to decline, to sink, to lay you out prostrate. Listen, my friend, we're going to be facing some Jordan rivers in the days to come. People think this is the Jordan River. No, no this is not the Jordan River, my friend. We haven't even touched the sufferings that the church will go through as the days go by. Right. We're going to be facing Jordan rivers. And if we can't dig into God's word now and become spiritually mature, we will not be part of that remnant church that God wants to raise up in this last and final hour. Hear what I'm saying this morning as a pastor. This is prophetic to the church this morning. Daniel the prophet reminded us, and he said that in the last days that the enemy of our soul shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Are you weary this morning? Are you worn out? Are you exhausted because you're homebound? People are already tired. People are already giving up. Domestic violence, child abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse taking place in our homes because people are home and they can't get along with each other. They can't love one another in the time of peace, even in their own homes. Folks, we're living in a sad society. We're living in a sad moment of time in history. And it's time that God separates. It's time that God brings us to a different level of maturity spiritually in the name of Jesus. So God speaks to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, and he assures him. He says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, listen to this. So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, and I will not forsake thee. Praise God. What is he saying? God is saying, I'll be with you. I'll stand right with you. I will not faint. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I will not decrease in my love towards you. I will not withdraw from you. I will not abandon you. I will not relax my efforts towards you. I will not let you go, Joshua. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. That's an assuring word from God. Because this is not just reserved for Moses and Joshua, my friend. This is reserved for all of us. Amen. 
God is saying, as I was with Moses, as, as I was with Joshua, so will I also be with you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you behind. This is what God is saying. I will not depart from you. I will not let you alone. I will not abandon you. I will not neglect you. People are already doubting God. But where is God? What's God doing? Look what the enemy is doing. Look what the globalists are doing. Look what the governments are doing. Look what the economy is doing. Hey, listen, I always tell you this. The planets didn't collide last night. God is still in control of this world and your life. Praise God. Trust me. Trust the word of God. He's in control of this world and he's in control of our lives. He is not going to desert us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to let us go in the name of Jesus Christ. He's made an investment in our lives when he died on that cross and rose again on the third day. That was a great investment in your life so that we can be forgiven and saved from our sins. You know what we need? We need a continuance of God's presence in our life. We need a fresh outpouring. We need the fresh oil from heaven. A fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to keep us spiritually alert. Don't become dull, my friend. Don't become dull. Praise God. We need the power of God to solve the problems of life. We're going to need the problem, the, the, the salvation of the Lord and the power of God to face every Jordan that's going to come against us. Jesus said in John 15 and 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now let's look at the progression here in the life of Joshua in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 6, God speaks. He says these words to the man of God. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. God is saying something here that's very important. Because he's going to repeat himself. And when God repeats himself, there's a purpose to it. He says to Joshua the first time, be strong. He's saying to Joshua, prevail. Amen. Harden. The word strong here means harden. Don't, don't become soft. Don't, 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 don't become a jello in the hands of the enemy. Stand. Be a strong man of God. Be a, be a warrior. Be, be, become strong. Grow resolute in your decisions. When you make those decisions, you pull the trigger Praise God, the decision is done. God is saying, be strong. And then he said, and of good courage. Good courage means to be steadfastly minded. It means to be stout. It means to be bold and solid. It means to be determined. How determined are we? How hungry are we? How thirsty are we for God? We get lazy spiritually, my friend. We just hang around. We're on our phones. We're on Facebook. We're on social media. We post this and we post that. How much time do we spend during the day to seek God and pray and spend time in fellowship with the Lord who's knocking on the door of the church and says, open the door. I'm knocking. 
How much time do we spend in God's Word to find out a nugget? Listen, you don't have a preacher talking to you every week right now. Oh, once a week now. You don't have that fellowship. You don't have your brothers and sisters to encourage you in the, in the house of God. It's time that we have to grow up and it's time to dig out our own nuggets. Praise God. This is a supplement. This is a supplement. Praise God. Listen carefully. Hallelujah. God was saying to Joshua, he's saying, make yourself alert. Don't become dull. Persist. Become superior. Exhibit strength. So in verse 7, it's almost a repeat. He says again, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. I said, why the second time, God? You just told him in verse 6 to be strong and of good courage and now you're telling him to be strong and very courageous. Why the second time? It's very simple. The journey gets rough sometimes and challenging to our human spirit. Right. We're weak without God. Amen. We're fragile without the Lord. We're nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. We must remain strong and courageous in Him. Amen. Don't get off line with God and become weary as life comes at you. I want to say that again. Don't get offline with God and become weary as life comes at you. Amen. The Jordan's coming. Amen. The swelling of the Jordan is coming, my friend. Make no mistake about it. This is just one crisis that we're experiencing right now. And people are already folding their tents. People say they miss church. You know what? We'll find out shortly how much people really miss church. You know, I remember when the tragedy of 9-11 occurred. The churches started to fill up. But how many months later did the church attendance decrease in our country? <laughs> because they said the crisis is over. And we'll do the same thing again if we're not careful. People will say, well, I can't wait to get back to the house of God. I can't wait to fellowship and be in communion with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And let it go for a couple of weeks or a month. Check church attendance in America and tell me if it doesn't decrease. I believe it will if we're not careful. The Bible says for Joshua to observe. Be a watchman. Fathers, in your home, be a watchman. Dad, be a watchman. Men and women of God, be watchmen. What does it mean? It means to keep guard. To give heed to the voice of God. To preserve and protect what God has given you. Praise the Lord. To beware and to treasure what you have in your home and in your heart. Guard your heart. Because the enemy wants to come and snatch it from you. Guard it. Celebrate with Jesus. Keep yourself from evil. Keep yourself from sin. You know, many are going to relapse during this time. Many are going to fall right back into their addictions. You know why? Because they're going to say, I'm stressed out. I can't take this. I need a break. I need pleasure. And you know what? Some of them are going to die. Some will die during this crisis. Unnecessarily. Because they will relapse into their addiction. 
because they're saying, well, where's God when I need him? He's been there all the time. Amen. He's just asking for you to be strong and very courageous right now and reach out your hand to him. The Bible says, turn not. Listen to what he, he told Joshua. He says, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. You know, this kind of jogs some verses in my heart that I like to say to you. You see, in the last day, the Bible warns us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Titus chapter 1 verse 14 says, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. My friends, we're going to see a phenomenon in the last day. We're going to see an apostasy. We're going to see a falling away from Christ in the church. Praise God. The Bible is saying this. If you want to prosper, Joshua, if you want to act wisely, if you want to have prudence, if you want to have insight and comprehension of what I'm doing, Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, in the easy translation, it says this, give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. Don't low, go to the left or to the right, my friend. Stay in the middle of the road. Amen. The enemy is going to try to swerve you off the road. And you know when you swerve off the road, it's possible that you're going to hit that telephone pole. It's possible you're going to end up in a ditch. And it's possible it will cause your death. This is not a time to swerve. This is not a time to get off here or to get off over there. So he speaks to Joshua again. He tells him to be strong, to be courageous, to be strong, to be very courageous. And then in verse number 8 of Joshua chapter 1, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. My friend, this is the book. This is it. This is our roadmap. Our roadmap on how to live. Our roadmap how to get to where we're supposed to be going in life. It's our roadmap to heaven. This is the roadmap that we must give our children. This is the roadmap that we must give our grandchildren. Amen. But we'll never be able to give them this roadmap unless we're living it. Because they will rise up and call us hypocrites. They'll call us the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the last days. I don't want to be called a hypocrite. I don't want to be called a Pharisee or a Sadducee. I want to be called a servant of the Most High God that delivered the word of God to his children and to his grandchildren and to those that God put me in charge of as an under-shepherd. Don't let this book depart. Meditate. What does it mean to meditate? It means to ponder, to consider, to chew over the word of God. Not just to read a book, not just to read a verse, but to digest it, to chew it over, to make sure that it gets into your spiritual system. Because God is saying this, if you do this, if you meditate on my word, if you dig into the word of God, and this is when the preacher isn't available. This is Monday through Saturday. Sunday we come to church. This is what you have to do, my friend, as a child of the living God. How much time do we spend meditating upon the Word of God? 
People say, I want to be prosperous. People say, I want to have success. God says, if you want to be prosperous, if you want to have success, he says, meditate there in day and night on the book. We have to get back to the word of God. We have to get back to basics, my friend. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. He abides with us, but he wants fellowship. He wants us to hear his voice. And when we read the scriptures, it's getting a message from God every day. There's a message in your mailbox every day, my friend. You're getting a text message and an email from God every day. But how many people fail to look at those messages? We're more apt to look at the messages that we get from other people. We're more apt to respond to that ding on our phone that alerts us to say, hey, you just got a text message from someone. How about God? Who's dinging that bell also? Who's knocking on that door? Who's speaking to the heart of the church? And he's saying, will I find faith on the earth when I return? So I return to Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 and it says this. This is the third time now. Have not I commanded thee? He's speaking to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee with whithersoever thou goest. What does this mean again? Obviously, Joshua is a human being just like you and I. He was prone to fear. He was prone to becoming afraid just like anyone else. And like any other human being, he needed the, the assurance from God. Three times, three times in this chapter, God tells him to be strong and to be of good courage. What does it mean to be strong and courageous? It means this, the quality of mind enabling one to face danger or hardship resolutely. In other words, I'm determined. Come hell or high water, I'm coming through. It doesn't matter if the enemy throws the kitchen sink at you. Praise God. With the power of God and the love of Jesus and hallelujah, we will prevail. We will withstand, hallelujah, the footmen, the horses, and we will withstand the swelling of the Jordan River. This is what God is saying. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Don't break into pieces. That's what the word dismayed means. Don't break down. Don't lose your mind. Don't have a nervous breakdown. Don't be amazed at what's going on because I've already warned you. I told you in this world, you will have trials and tribulations and some will be fiery. Why do we look around amazed? Why do we look around amazed and saying, I can't believe what's going on. When God already spoke to us through the prophets. When he already spoke to us through the New Testament. When he already spoke to us through John on the Isle of Patmos when he got the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're dumbfounded sometimes. We look and we say, can you really believe this? Oh, yes. But my friend, this is just the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning of sufferings. Jesus is saying to us, don't become so dismayed that you're beaten down. Don't become so low that you need a jack to get you up to curb level. That's what God's saying. 
We're still in the land of peace, my friend. We're not living in the Middle East. We're not living in a communist country. Our churches aren't underground like they are in China and India. We're living in the land of peace. And we can't even contend with the horses and the footmen. How can we contend with the swelling of the Jordan who's just waiting to swallow you and me up? Jordan is a pride. The lions are loose. He's a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. So God is going to give Joshua instructions. And he says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, Pass through this host and command the people saying, Prepare you victuals. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Wait a minute now. We're on the other side here. We haven't crossed over yet, God. So what's God saying? You know, kind of similar to what he said to the Jewish people about the Passover. Get your lambs. Have your lambs roasted on the hillside. Get in your house. Put the blood on the lentils of the doorpost. Get your clothes on. Keep them on with your walking sticks. Because tomorrow, deliverance will come. When the death angel passes over, it'll pass over your house, but none will be taken. But guarantee this, the next day, April 15th, deliverance will take place. God is saying something similar here to Joshua. He's saying you're going to pass through this encampment. You're going to pass through this where you're camping right now. And you're going to enter in and you're going to lay siege to that Canaan's land. This is exactly what the church needs to do. We've been dormant. We haven't possessed. What are we possessing? Space, time, videos, teachings, information. What have we possessed? What are we doing? We're sitting on our lees most of the time. And we're not really speaking the gospel to others and telling them about Jesus and the soon coming of our Lord. He was saying, prepare victuals. Do you know what that means? Pack a lunch. Get your food supply. Make sure you get a brown bag because we're going to have some lunch on the other side when we cross over this Jordan. We're going to possess this land. We're going to inherit it. God is going to dispossess the enemy. And God is going to help us set up camp, praise God, as he expels the enemy. They're pagan gods from our midst. You know, we have to do spiritual violence in the kingdom. The Bible says in Matthew 11, 12, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. I'm not talking about guns and knives. I'm talking about spiritual violence and spiritual warfare against the enemy of our soul. Do you realize what he wants to do? To kill, steal, and destroy. He's the lion that wants to devour you. He's the Jordan. He's the flood that wants to drown you. And we're sitting there. Sitting there. Looking at our phones. Looking at Facebook. Hey, that's okay. But how much time are we giving to our God? You see, we must occupy right now and not evacuate. We must take back what the enemy has stolen from us. 
But you know what, my friend? In order to go up and possess, we have to show up. Mm. We used to have a saying in Brooklyn, New York, where I grew up, put up or shut up. Think about that. We need to face difficulties, trials, setbacks, and grab them and throw them behind us in the name of Jesus Christ. We must not allow the enemy to immobilize us. We must go in and take what belongs to us. We must leave an inheritance for our children and our grandchildren. It's time to reclaim our dignity. It's time to reclaim our position. Hallelujah. It's time to reclaim our morals and values in America. It's time to reclaim our rights in Christ. Paul the Apostle said it in 1 Corinthians 3.21, For all things are yours. Come on. Are you going to go to heaven with an empty bag? Is there a gift room in heaven with your name on all these gifts and blessings that God wanted to give you? But we were too tired to pray. We were too tired to seek. We were too tired to press in. We were too tired to do spiritual violence. We were too tired to do spiritual warfare. Come on. Because we were feeling sorry for ourselves. It's time. It's time. It's time. There's a separation. I'm going to prophesy. There's a separation that's going to come forth. There's going to be a separation. You follow the word. God, take me with you where you go. Here's the message. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant. This is the presence of God, my friend. Listen carefully. Don't go without God. Don't go in your own power. Don't go in your own wisdom. If you don't have the unction of God, and the anointing of God, you are just a fair show in the flesh. It's just words. It's carnal. It's enmity with God. Listen to what the preacher is saying to this morning. And he says, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Went before the people. I'm taking God with us. The priests are taking the covenant. Praise God. We're taking God first. Are we putting God first? Are we actually putting God first in our homes? Listen carefully. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I, as with, was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. Stand still. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said these words, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gerzites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you unto Jordan. God is going right smack dab into that flood. He's going to face every lion and every beast. The covenant of God. The, presen the presence of God. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of, a tri of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass 
As soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, he's the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. Come on, my friend. God said, I am the king of the flood, and I will stop the flood that's coming down. Praise God. The Jordan's flood cannot keep out Israel, according to Matthew Henry commentary. The Jordan's flood cannot keep out Israel. Why? Because God went before them. The cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and the power of the Holy Spirit must come back upon the church in America. We have shut out the Holy Spirit. We have gotten so smart and so fundamental that we become detrimental to our souls by preaching heresy that the Holy Spirit is not for today. Oh, come on, my friend. It's unto you and to your children and to your children's children. Read the book of Acts. Quit taking the book of Acts out of the Bible. Quit skirting around the word of God. Come on, my friend. We need the power of God to come against the Jordan. We need the power of God to come against the beasts. We need the power of God to come against the roaring lion that seeks to devour you. Are you hearing what the preacher is saying this morning? What is God saying? You see, with Moses, okay, the people crossed the Red Sea. But with Joshua, the people crossed over the Jordan. Similar. The Red Sea in the days of Moses represented one man's faith. Those Jewish people were murmurs. They were crybabies. And if it wasn't for the faith of Moses with that rod in his hand, they'd be stuck. But the Jordan River represented a whole nation's faith. Listen to what God's saying. We need a new baptism of love. We need a baptism of power and praise and unity among believers. We need to join our faith together to pray for one another. We don't need lone rangers keeping their faith to themselves. God is looking for a cooperative effort whereby we will realize we are our brother's keeper. They marched over as a nation with faith, determination, strength, and courage because God went before them. But then something happened. A phenomenon took place. In Joshua chapter 5, in verse 12, it reads this. And the manna, you know those pancakes that were flying out of heaven every day? Ceased tomorrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. The manna ceased. The old was out and the new is in. We can't rely on yesterday, my friend. This is today. We can't rely on on manna when it doesn't fall from heaven anymore. We can hope, we can cry, we can complain, but somewhere along the line, if we get hungry enough, we will have to get our own meals. That's why the churches are closed. In my mind, you got to get some of your own meals. You can't just rely on the preacher. That's not the way God intended. We're a supplement. Yes, we teach, we counsel, we pray. We marry your daughters. We bury your grandmothers. We do all that. That's what we're supposed to do. But we're not here seven days a week, 24-7. You know 
You're in your home. And here's what God is saying. I'm not going to throw pancakes out of heaven. You're going to have to dig it out a little bit. You're going to have to get your own spiritual flour, your own spiritual water. You're going to have to bring it together to make you a cake to dig out the word of God. What's God saying? Problems are not just going to go away. Obstacles will not just disappear. Barriers will not be broken through without a meaningful plan from God. We need the presence of the Lord. God desires to give us a new song. God desires to do a new thing. The Israelites found old corn belonging to the Canaanites and began making a meal as God was ending an era and beginning a new beginning. It's time to grow up. It's time to make some meals. It's time to enjoy the word of God. We eat breakfast, we eat lunch, we eat dinner. But if you're just waiting for the preacher on Sunday morning to give you the meal for the week, your spiritual inner man becomes very weak. We can't do without God. We can't run off to work without the presence of God. We we can't run off to school without the presence of the Lord going before us. We can't even dare drive our cars without believing that the presence of God goes with us. We can't live. You didn't start your heart this morning. You didn't cause your lungs to breathe. Neither did I. It's God who's in our lives that we must entertain, that we must fellowship with. You see what God is calling us to? He's calling us to a new level of stewardship. He's calling us to a higher level of stewardship. Listen carefully. Listen to what God's saying. The reason the manna ceased is because it represents at least three things. Number one, things being done for you. God expects more from us. God expects more from us. You can't just rely on one person. You can't rely on one spiritual meal per week and expect that you're going to be able to withstand the flood of the Jordan River that will eventually come against you. It represents three things. Things done for you and being fed. They were fed the manna. And what does it mean when you feed someone like that? It's the milk of the word. It's the baby stage. Paul said to the church, he said, you got to get off the milk of the word and you got to get into the meat of the word. You know, unless you have a desire for God and a hunger and a thirst for God, you'll never dig out that steak dinner that God has in the word of God for you. You'll get your milkshake at the local ice cream store and you'll drink it and you'll say, wow, that's so delicious and it's so sweet. And yes, it is good. I like a good milkshake myself. But you know what? I like a steak. I like those fried onions on top. I like a baked potato with butter. I like a nice salad. And I like like a, a nice side. My wife makes these green beans, breaded green beans, and she puts oil on those green beans in a frying pan and fries it and puts breadcrumb on it. I'm telling you, it's one of the most delicious things you'll eat. I like those kind of dinners. I can't live off of milkshakes because if I do, I'll just get fat and ugly. And I don't want to become fat and ugly. But when I eat steak and a baked potato and a salad and those green beans, wow, I feel like I've really sunk my teeth into something really good and nutritious. We got to feed ourselves the word of God. Now the people had to depend upon the fruit of the land the food of that land 
They had to make their own bread. They had to cook their own meals. <laughs> the food represents five things. Getting your own food, doing things for yourself, digging deeper, and when you dig deeper, feeding others the word of God, and being a grown-up. <laughs> you know, I've been in the ministry for decades. I've been to a lot of churches. I've preached to a lot of people. I've been in many pastors' homes when I was an evangelist with my wife. And boy, I could tell you story after story after story. Man, we can't keep blowing people's noses. We can't keep cutting people's toenails. We can't. The day that we're living in is a time to put on our boots, to get into our britches, and face life and say, here I come with Jesus. Amen. Because before you meet me, world, you're going to meet, praise God, the covenant keeper. Before you meet me, world, you're going to meet the presence of God. Before you meet me, world, you're going to meet the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because he goes before me. Amen. And if you want to put your boxing gloves on with that, so be it. Because you will be laid out in the first round before you can even say your name. Think about that for a moment. God is saying, listen carefully, it's time for the church to arise out of the ashes. Listen, the church is a sleeping giant. Everyone knows that. We have our programs. We have this. We have our pomp, our ceremony, our flags, our dancing. How many people are disciples? People say, I have these many people in my church. You know what my question to them is? How many disciples do you have? How many people can I sit down with that will give me the word of God? How, how many people in your church does iron sharpen iron? Do we give really soft speeches to people? Do we tell people, you're okay? As long as you put money in the offering plate. That's not the right way to do it. The word of God cuts. The word of God is a two-edged sword that goes in and comes out. The word of God convicts us. The word of God helps us to mature, and the word of God helps us to grow up. Joshua is a great man of God. He follows the footsteps of Moses. And then on top of it, in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. What's happening? God visits and speaks to the man of God, Joshua. Joshua recognized God and allowed him to take control of the situation and the circumstance he found himself in. Joshua could not cross that Jordan River by himself, he had no plan. He had no boat. He had no way of getting over into the promised land. But God gave him a plan. 
because he meditated upon the word of God day and night. Listen to this. Joshua deferred leadership to God's leadership. That's important. God wants to reveal himself to us as he did to Joshua. God wants to give us a fresh revelation of Jesus. God wants to reveal deity to us. That deity is on our side. God wants to reveal that Jesus is the commander-in-chief. Hallelujah. God wants to reveal to us that Jesus is omnipotent. God wants to reveal to us that he is ruler over every circumstance in our life. And he will meet every flood head on from here in and here out. When this revelation is received, my friend, we will develop a new level of spiritual warfare. As I come to a close, I want you to hear what God is saying. God is saying it's time. God is saying it's time. It's time to receive the strategy of God on how to maneuver through life. It's time to receive the revelation of God on how to maneuver when the lions and the beasts and the flood tries to overtake us and overcome us. When we receive the revelation from God, when we dig into his word and we get hungry and we get thirsty and have such a desire for God, God says this in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. We will not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy that comes against us. That's why people are swarmed up. That's why they're swallowed up. That's why people drown. That's why they lose their faith. Because they do not recognize the devices of the enemy and the machinations that the enemy brings against them. And they bow their head, they go into the corner, and they give up their faith and they say, what's the use? Here's what God is saying. He's saying, I will reveal my strategy to you so that you can defeat Satan, the enemy of your soul. It's time. It's time to show up. It's time to grow up. You know why? Because we're moving. We are moving. What are you saying? (laughs) It's our time to move from where we were to where God is taking us. Let me say that again. We are moving. He's pulling out a church. Not deadbeats. Not people that want to moan and groan and murmur and complain. He's pulling out a people. He's digging us out, praise God. And he's going to give us revelation. He's going to give us his word. He's going to give us visions and dreams. And he's going to empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's our time to move from where we are were, to where God is taking us. Do you want to go? Amen. Do you want to go? You will not be able to get there without God's presence. And you will not be able to maneuver this journey of life without the revelation that God desires to give you. Let us pray. Father, I believe this to be a prophetic message today. I believe the churches are closed for a reason. You're testing God's people. Who will dig into the word of God? 
Who will become hungry and thirsty and desire you like never before? Who will desire to stand in the last day, hallelujah, and proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? God, I don't want to just become a church goer, a church attendee, a church member. I want to be a disciple for Christ, a disciple for Jesus. And I believe, God, in this hour that separation is taking place because you're shaking everything, God. And the only thing that's going to remain is the word of God in our lives. And I believe when the shaking is over, we will see a definitive separation of those that have a hunger and thirst for God and desire him in a way that they never desired before or those that are going to stay back and refuse to go into Canaan's land, refuse to want to fight spiritually for their families, for their children, and for their grandchildren. I pray, God, that you would touch us and give us that hunger and give us that thirst and give us that resolution in our hearts, that determination to continue our journey with Jesus. Lord, whether it's with the footmen or when the flood is coming against us, because I'm reminded of Psalm 29.10, you're a king of the flood, and God, you said, you rideth the flood. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord.